the series. A couple weeks ago, we started a series called uh, Everyday Heroes of the Faith. We're not talking about um, the superheroes of the faith, the Billy Grahams and the Rick Warrens and the, the Peters and the Martin Luthers. That I look around this room, and maybe one day somebody in this room is going to be a superhero of the faith. But... Um, I doubt it, okay? I look around here, what I see are everyday heroes of the faith. These are the people who just live and do what they're supposed to do, and God uses them in incredible ways. People you've never even heard of. People that maybe you've heard a little bit about, but you don't know that much. They don't really do that much, but God uses it in incredible ways. This is the passage that we're basing this whole thing on. It's from 1 Corinthians. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Paul is writing to this church in Corinth, and he's trying to remind them, not many of you were wise by human standards. Did he just call them idiots? You know, in, a, in a way, he really did. Not many of you were influential, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. God uses people just like you and me to do incredible things. It doesn't mean that we do incredible things. It just simply means that we do what we're supposed to do. God takes it. He does something incredible with it. Because here's the two things we've already learned about everyday heroes of the faith. First is this, they know that Jesus won't do anything with nothing, okay? Everyday heroes of the faith give. They give of their time, they give of their talents, they give of their treasure, they give, they give on a regular basis, faithfully because they know Jesus won't do anything with nothing. Now, he could, couldn't he? He created all the worlds from nothing, but now he won't. Now he just says, look, you give me something, and I will take it and do something with it. Everyday heroes of the faith know that Jesus won't do anything with and they don't focus on doing great things for Jesus they trust Jesus to do great things with the little that they faithfully give now this is huge guys this is really what it's all about they don't focus on doing great things for Jesus they trust Jesus to do great things with the little that they faithfully give that's an everyday hero of the faith the last two weeks, we've looked at uh, two of the everyday heroes. We looked at, first of all, the little boy with the loaves and fishes, remember? He just gave a little. It never says he gave everything. For all we know, he kept back enough for his family. It does, but that's not the point. It isn't about giving everything. It's that he gave a little, and it didn't seem like much. But what did Jesus do with the little that he gave? Now, what if he hadn't given anything? Jesus won't do anything with nothing. But he gave a few loaves and a few fish and at 5, 10, 15,000 people were fed because Jesus blessed it. And then last week, we took a look at Simon Peter's brother named Andrew. What did Andrew do to become an everyday hero of the faith? He just introduced his brother to Jesus. We all know Peter. We all know the great things. That Peter turned out to be a superhero of the faith. Andrew is known for doing just a couple of things, and the most important thing that he did was once he met Jesus, remember what Scripture said, the first thing Andrew did was go find his brother. The first thing. To be an Andrew, you just invite. You just invite. You don't have to be a great evangelist. Just invite them. Invite them to church. Invite them to an event. Tell them what God has done for you. That's an Andrew, an everyday hero. Today, we're going to look at another everyday hero of the faith named Stephen. Now, Stephen may be a little more, um, a little more famous for some of you, because Stephen turns out to be one of the first martyrs who dies for Jesus. And I know that sounds like a superhero, but we'll get into why it's actually an everyday hero. He's not one of the apostles. In fact, he's a, he's a layman. If you want to see it that way, if you look at the apostles, the ones who were ordained by Jesus Christ to go out and share the word, 
Stephen was a layman. He was just somebody in the church that was elected by the church to serve them and make sure that all their needs were met. One day, as he is preaching, he is falsely accused. There are some people who don't like him. The Jews of that particular era did not like what Stephen was having to say. So they falsely accused They lied about him and had him brought into what's called the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was the, the Jewish leadership. It was the same group that Jesus had to stand before, not all that long before, who was then condemned and Jesus was crucified, falsely once again, and then rose from the dead. Stephen is now standing before that, that same group, the Sanhedrin. And he gets to preach before them. And he gives them a history lesson. It's all, by the way, in, in Acts chapter 6 and 7. He gives them a history lesson. He says, now, here's, let me tell you what's really going on here. First of all, it started with Abraham, as if they didn't know this, right? And then he says, that, and then there was Joseph. And you know the funny thing about Joseph? He was rejected. His own brothers rejected him. As a matter of fact, the patriarchs, meaning, remember that his brothers turned out to be the leaders of the 12 tribes and all this other kind of stuff, and all the Sanhedrin are descended from those 12 tribes. So he's really saying, is, look, you know, your ancestors were the ones that rejected Joseph. But that's okay. God had a great plan. Don't worry about it. Then he goes on to Moses, and he says, and Moses was first of all rejected by your ancestors once again. And when Moses tried to lead them out of the promised land, he did, and then they turned on him and they rejected him again. And then came all of the prophets to talk about God and to talk about the, 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 the coming Messiah. And guess what? All of your ancestors rejected them and even killed some of them. And they all knew this. Then he said, but guess what? You just did the same thing. The Messiah. The Christ. The Holy One of God came to you and you rejected him and you killed him. You are no better than your ancestors. That did not go over well. Because up to that point, they were probably going, yeah. Most people look back at the mistakes, and they can see the mistakes of the past, and they say what? Boy, I won't do that. Did you ever look back on how your parents raised you and say, I'll never do that to my kids, only to find that it's kind of inbred in there, doesn't it? You just kind of do it that way. And, and it bothers you to think that maybe you're carrying on the same mistakes of your ancestors. Well, all of these holy, righteous Jewish Sanhedrin leaders said, boy, if we had been there... If we had been there for Moses, if we had been there for, for, for Abraham, if we had been there for Joseph and all these others, we wouldn't have rejected God. We would have stood on the side of righteousness. And Stephen says, oh yeah? Guess what? You're just like them. Then we pick up the story. When they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. You got to be pretty mad to go. <laughs> but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up. That's huge. If you got a little pencil, circle that in your notes right there. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up. Where do you look when you're confronted? He looked up. And he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. By the way, it was probably at this point that Stephen understood he was about to die. Up to this point, he didn't know that. 
The Sanhedrin did not have authority to execute him. Remember the Sanhedrin had to go to Pilate to execute Jesus? Stephen just thought he was preaching. He didn't know he was going to die. Probably until right about here. Because you can almost see Jesus going, it's time to come home. He said, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling to the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. He had no idea when this whole thing started that he was about to die. He was just preaching. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their cloths at the clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul, who's eventually going to become Paul. We'll get to that in a couple of weeks. And while they were stoning him, can you imagine what it would be like to die from stoning? I mean, it takes a while. Because these rocks have to be big enough to hurt you, but small enough so that they can be thrown. It's not like huge boulders. So this is going to take a while. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. How long between the time he recognized he was going to die? Did he fact it? Probably just a few minutes. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. Wow. Wow. Um, you could look at him and say, well, that's kind of a superhero thing. Well, yeah, but except remember, he didn't know he was going to die. He didn't know that until just a few minutes before he actually did die. He thought he was just preaching and sharing the faith and confronting them with their lies. And then he dies. So what does this tell us about the everyday heroes that, that we all want to be, that we can be, that we should be? Well, how about this? Everyday heroes of the faith take a personal stand for Jesus against the lies of the world. There it is. Everyday heroes of the faith don't have to die for everything, don't have to do the great things, but they are going to take a personal stand for Jesus against the lies of the world, and that's what Stephen was doing. There were lies being said about him, there were lies being said about the Holy One, there were lies being said about Jesus Christ, and he said, no, let me tell you the truth. Here's the truth whether you like it or not. Everyday heroes of the faith take a personal stand against the lies of this world. That we should take a stand for Jesus, I think is obvious. I mean, we don't want to hide the fact that we are Christ followers. This is what Scripture says. Here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, he will, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself, and he cannot disown himself okay if we're just faithless in other words we're living but we mess up from time to time which we're going to get to in a couple of weeks jesus is right there but if you walk away from him, if you disown him if you say i don't know jesus then jesus says well i don't know you either james the half-brother of jesus said this you adulterous people james was kind of in your face we're studying that in our small group it's kind of a fun little study but james was really in your face kind of a guy you adulterous people he's writing to his friends by the way in his churches this is not the way to make friends but this is james don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward god you can take a stand you want to be friends with the world that's not a good decision 
Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Oh yeah, you better take a stand. Or do you think that scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? In other words, God wants all of us. He doesn't want to share us. When we say God is a jealous God, what we mean isn't the emotion. We mean he says, look, I want all of you. I'm not going to share you. And if you want to be friends with the world, okay. But you've made an enemy in me. And that's not smart. But see, we're not just talking about a stand for Jesus Christ. We're talking about a personal stand for Jesus Christ. And there is a huge difference. Let me tell you the difference. A personal stand will have a personal cost. It's possible to take a stand for Jesus about things that don't cost you anything. Let's talk about the stand that many people are taking today against gay marriage. Okay? We have a certain belief about marriage. We have a certain belief about the homosexual lifestyle. And you could stand up and say, I take a stand against gay marriage. And that's okay, that's wonderful. But let me ask you, what did it cost you? Kind of a safe stand, isn't it? I mean, it's a good stand. We believe that marriage should, between, should be between a, a man and a woman. But what did it cost you? We can sit around the table and debate it back and forth. We can sit around the table and, and argue with all those people that, that believe differently. And you know what it cost us? Nothing. Not a bad stand. But what did it cost you? A personal stand is going to have a personal cost. You take a personal stand for Jesus, it's going to cost you something. Let me give you an example. Many years ago, I was actually in middle school, so it's many years ago. You know, there are certain events in your life that shape you for the rest of your life. You remember them so clearly. I can remember very few days in my life, but there are some incidents and some days that I remember with crystal clarity. In my middle school, like most middle schools, there was the in-group, and everybody wanted to be part of that in-group, and I wanted to be part of that in-group. And I just never really felt like I could be part of that group. And one of the things that that in-group would do during lunch would be to make fun of one of the mentally disabled students we had in school. And they would gather together and they would make fun of him. And he was so mentally disabled, he didn't even know he was being made fun of. That's what made it even funnier. He had no idea. Sometimes he thought people were being friendly to him when in fact they were making fun of him. People over here would laugh and laugh. And one day I took my turn. I mean, if you want to be friends with the world, you become like them and you, you, you take on their characteristics and you do what they do. And so one lunch period, I took my turn making fun of this young man and got a huge laugh from everybody. And he never even knew it. And I walked away, friends with the world. And I couldn't sleep. I just couldn't sleep. It bothered me so much what I'd done. So the next day I went back to school. And asking his forgiveness would have done it. He didn't know anything was going on. I just became his friend. 
And so I started hanging out with him at lunch. And I didn't make fun of him, I just was with him. And from time to time, protect him. And I lost my friendship with the group. But I slept at night. Taking a personal stand will have a personal cost. And if it isn't costing you anything, it's not much of a personal stand. Not really. See, this is what the Bible says. Real religion, the kind that passes muster before God the Father is this. Reach out to the homeless and loveless in their plight and guard against the corruption from the godless world. There's going to be a personal cost in there. It's not just believing that we should do good things. It's doing those good things. Taking a stand for Jesus isn't just saying, this is what I believe. It's not just signing a declaration, which I have done. And there are lots of people who say, hey, would you sign this declaration of stand for Jesus? It's wonderful. But you know what? So what? What did it cost you? A little ink? What did it cost? A personal stand will have a personal cost. This is what Jesus himself tells us. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. There's a personal cost, guys. It isn't just about what you believe. It's not just believing one thing and living like the world. It's going to cost you. You've got to deny yourself. Take up the cross, follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. There will be a personal cost. Becoming an everyday hero of the faith is going to cost you something. You're going to take a personal stand for Jesus Christ. It's going to set you against the world. And it's going to cost you friendships, finances, whatever. It'll cost. Because that's what personal stands do. But you know what? If you think maybe that's a little too much, you better remember this. Refusing to take a personal stand also has a personal cost. Did you know that? This is what Jesus Christ tells us. You want to hide your allegiance? You don't want to stand for him? This is what Jesus said. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation... By the way, can you tell James and Jesus were half-brothers? That kind of sounds similar, don't you? This is Jesus now speaking before it was James. The Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. You don't want to take a personal stand for Jesus? That's probably not smart. If we're ashamed of Jesus, if we're ashamed to take a personal stand, if we're ashamed to face that cost, then Jesus says, wow... Maybe I'll be ashamed of you one day. I want him to be proud of me. And also this, in Matthew, he says, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. You want to be friends with the world? Well, you're going to have to disown God, and you're going to have to disown Jesus. And if you disown him, then Jesus says, hey, I don't know who you are. See, everyday heroes of the faith take a personal stand, and that personal stand will have a personal consequence. It's going to cost you something. What did it cost Stephen? First of all, of course, it was just, man, that's a gutsy move to have to come in front of the Sanhedrin and the Jewish leaders and confront them with their sin. That's gutsy. He didn't even realize the full cost until the very, very end. But you see, here's the second thing about those everyday heroes and that cost, that personal stand. They're willing to accept the consequences for their personal stand. It's going to cost you, and you say, you know what? That's okay. 
Jesus has tried to prepare us for, the, for this very thing. Jesus tried to prepare his disciples for the fact that if they follow him, there is going to be a personal cost, and maybe the consequences are going to be things you really hadn't counted on. This is what Jesus says. There's trouble ahead when you live only for the approval of others. Saving what flatters them, or saying what flatters them, doing what indulges them. Popularity contests are not truth contests. Look how many scoundrel preachers were proved by your ancestors. Your task is to be true, not popular. Now that is a good line. Your task is to be true, not popular. There's going to be consequences when we take a personal stand for Jesus Christ. That's why John writes this. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world. Would you circle the world everything? Because the Greek word for that is everything. Okay? Everything in this world will pass away. The cravings of the sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he is has and does comes not from the Father but from the world. Okay. Do you love the world? Do you love the praise of men? Do you love the values of the world? Well, right now, maybe watching this, this mini-series called The Men Who Built America. Fascinating. It's about several of the very important men uh, in, the, in the last century, or in the, actually the, uh, the 19th century, who, who were the, the ones who built the railroads and the oil industry and all this other stuff. Man, word! One of them, as a matter of fact, Rockefeller at one time was worth, in today's money, $250 billion. And we look up to these men. They are the, the capitalists who help create our whole world, you know, create our society, create our nation and the prosperity. And the Bible would say, you want to be like that? Bad decision. Because everything they created is going to go away. Everything. This entire world will disappear. And God is not impressed with $250 billion. <laughs> Jesus tried to prepare us for the consequences when he said this. If, if you find the godless world is hating you, remember it, it got to start hating me. If you lived on the world's terms, you would be loved as one of its own. But since I picked you to live on God's terms and no longer on the world's terms, the world's going to hate you. When that happens, remember this. Servants don't get better treatments than their masters. If they beat on me, they're certainly going to beat on you. If they did what I told them, they will do what you tell them. You know what? You want to take a stand for me, Jesus says? Okay. Did you see how I was treated? Guess what? But what if the world isn't treating you that way? Maybe we're not taking the stand that we should. Maybe our stands are more belief stands, you know, more of, of well, I'll sign this declaration and I believe this and, and I believe this theology, but are they really personal stands that cost us? If we take those personal stands, we're going to get a little pushback from family, from the world, from government. That's why I'm not really all that excited about being friends with the government. If the government really is happy with me and my church, 
I'm probably not doing my job. Because I'm going to speak against some of the very values that they hold dear. Sometimes you get to see those consequences coming. I mean, it's pretty easy. But sometimes they're unexpected. For Stephen, it was completely unexpected. He did not know he was going to die. Don't think that he started this whole thing, woke up this morning going, you know, today's the day I get to die. Or when he started preaching, he would say, boy, they're going to kill me, but I'm going to stand for Jesus Christ. He did not know until the very end of his message that he was about to die. He didn't see it coming. They had no authority to do it. They were just so mad. And when he knew he was in trouble, when that little voice went off and said, this is it, what did he do? What would you do? What would I do? Don't, don't, please, don't, please, please, please don't. He looked up. See, everyday heroes, when they face these consequences, and they face the hard times like this, because of the personal stand they've taken, they look to Jesus for the help that they need. That's what Stephen did. Suddenly he goes, I'm in trouble here. <laughs> these people are so mad, they're gnashing their teeth. This is not a good sign. Help me, help me! Oh, Jesus. I'm standing for you. Whoa, whoa. What would I be doing? Nine one one. <laughs> he looked right to Jesus. See, this is what he knew. Paul writes this in, in the book of Philippians. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Okay, Jesus, if you want me to die today, I can do that. I don't want to do that, but I can do it. The psalmist says this, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God, I trust. I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? Sometimes when we take this personal stand, there will be consequences that we really hadn't anticipated. Those consequences could be the loss of friendship. It could be the loss of, of a job. I've known people who took a personal stand for Jesus, and they lost their job because of it, because they could no longer go into the lies that they were called to use to sell the things that they were supposed to sell. And they suddenly found themselves unemployed. What do you do in that situation? Well, you look to Jesus Christ because he will help you through all of it. If he's going to help Stephen face the stones of an anger, he's going to help you face even the consequences of taking a personal stand. And then there's one final thing that these people do. It's just amazing. I was looking at Stephen and reading this and, and letting his life lesson kind of flow into my life. This, this single moment, again, he had no idea he was going to die until the very end. It's how he faced that unexpected consequence, his willingness to stand up and to, to confront the lies of the world. Phenomenal. And then when he says, you know what? I didn't realize it, but this is going to cost me my life right here and right now. He looks to Jesus Christ, but I also love this. With the help that Jesus gives, everyday heroes strive to maintain their Christ follower integrity. Everyday heroes of the faith look to Jesus for the help they need to face the consequences. And with his help, they strive to maintain their Christ follower. <clears throat> Do you know what I mean by that? I have to put myself in Stephen's position now. What would I have said? 
You can kill me, but God's going to get you. You're all going to hell because of this. You think you got me? Wait till God gets a hold of you. What did Stephen do? He maintained his Christ follower integrity because he did exactly what Jesus did. And what were some of the last words of Jesus Christ as he hung on the cross? Father, what? Forgive them. And Stephen prayed, Father, what? Don't hold us against them. Can you do that? When you're facing the consequence of uh, taking a stand for Jesus Christ, when you're feeling persecuted, you've lost a relationship, you've lost a job, you've lost the other things, the consequences of taking a stand for Jesus, do you go to your knees and say, Jesus, don't hold us against them. They don't know what they're doing. Or do you say, get them, Lord. There's actually psalms that are called get them, Lord. They're called imprecatory psalms. I can tell you all about them, but uh, that's a whole other story. It's where you say, oh, God, use your power to crush my enemies. Look what they did to me. Kill them. That's very human. But it's not a Christ follower. Christ follower, are you ready for this? Follows Christ. It's not a huge definition there. It's just there it is. What would Jesus, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Stephen says, Father, don't hold us against them. They're taking his life. Everyday heroes of the faith maintain their Christ follower integrity. This is what scripture says. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. It means you won't be at peace with everybody. It never said you would. It just said, as far as possible, as much as it's on you, live at peace. You're still going to have conflict, but make sure it isn't because of you. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will let God do what he's going to do. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will, be, you will heat burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You maintain your Christ follower integrity, even when you are unjustly treated because you took a personal stand for Jesus Christ. That's an everyday hero. Something we can all do. Not a superhero. An everyday hero. So as we close this up, then we get ready for our Sela time. A time where we're just going to let the Spirit talk to us. We've got a great video. It's actually called The Stand. It's about Stephen. The musical group is called Denver and the Mile High Orchestra. I listen to this one also while I'm riding my bike, and I'm singing it out the top of my lungs. But we'll get to that in just a moment. How about this? What personal stand are you taking for Jesus Christ? I don't mean what declaration have you signed. I mean personally, where are you standing for Jesus against the values of the world? Could it be your finances? Because the world, of course, would say, get more and get more and don't give anything because you just keep getting and you spend it. And you spend more than you even have. Where God would say, no, you don't. You give first. I'll give you enough to live on. But you give first. 
How about your relationships? There may be some relationships that you know aren't right. You got to take a stand. It's going to cost you. There could be some relationships where you're going to take a stand against the ugly relationship and you're going to bring beauty back into that. You're going to learn how to speak love and mercy into someone's life. How about your time? The world would tell you that your time is your own. You go do your job and after that, it's all your own and you just do what you want to do. Is that what Jesus would say? When you take a a personal stand for Jesus about your time, is it going to change how you use those 24 hours? How about your very purpose in life? Why you exist? To take a personal stand for Jesus, to say, my purpose, Lord, is to live for you. What's the personal stand that you need to take? You know what? In the next few moments, could you choose one, just one? Please don't don't try to be a superhero. (laughs) But as the Spirit speaks to you in our Selah time, what is the one personal stand you need to take for Jesus Christ? It's a stand against the lies of the world. It's living differently than the world would tell you to live. It's going to cost you something. But the Lord will help you through that cost. He will. Even as the unexpected consequence, you look to Him and you maintain your Christ follower integrity even as you face that cost. Father, thank you. This is kind of a scary thing for us. We don't want to die like Stephen had to die, but Father, the good news is we don't have to. Very, very few people are going to have to face what Stephen had to face. But we shy away from even some of the other costs that we might have to pay because of a personal stand. We want to be everyday heroes, but Father, we've we got to start small. What is it that we need to change? Not about what we believe, but about what we do. And then, Father, we'll face those consequences with your help. Thank you, Lord.